0: Hey guys, it's Chad from the Teach Better team and we are back building a grid live. And today we are going to be focused on building a social studies grid with the amazing Joe Gonzalez. Say hi, Joe. I guys. <laughs> I'm absolutely excited. I've already been talking to Joe a little bit this morning and I can't wait to share our conversation as we dig into a standard breaking down World War II. Um, this is really exciting. So if your social studies or any other subject for that matter, stay tuned and let's get started. All right, Joe, I'm super stoked to see you today and get to work with you. How are you doing this morning?
1: I'm doing awesome. Thanks for having me, Chad. I appreciate it. I'm really excited about this.
0: Absolutely. Well, it is December 29th, and we are going to continue our work on building a grid um, here on the daily drop-in, I know you're used to seeing the wonderful face of Ray Hewitt. Um, she will be back actually tomorrow and Friday, so that's super exciting. But you get me again today, uh, Joe. Hopefully, you don't have any complaints about that. But I'm Gosh. excited to do. <laughs> I'm excited to do um, some work today. So, Joe, could you give us a quick introduction? Where are you from? What do you teach?
1: Uh, I'm Joe Gonzalez from Charleston, West Virginia. And uh, I teach sixth grade English and social studies at Anne Jackson Middle School. And I'm also a Teach Better ambassador. Can't see it right here. Um, looks like I'm in a dark room, but it's the only room in the house that has, I have overhead lighting everywhere else. And this is about the only place right now where my kids are still asleep. My wife had to go to yeah. work. I've kind of put myself in a corner. and so. so. The the room behind me might be a mess, but that's why it looks like it's so dark and drear. It's not. It's just my room, but
0: Joe's experiencing what every single person experienced in the last year and a half of finding the quiet, clean space or two feet behind you to do a Zoom meeting. <laughs> that's absolutely like if something can sum up 2021, <laughs> 2020, <laughs> I think that statement does right there, absolutely. So so Joe, you've been in our network, you're an ambassador, you've been here with the Teach Better team and and in our family for, for so long. Um, uh, I know we've gotten to hang out before, which was awesome. We need to do that again soon. Um, but I, I, I kinda wanna, for our audience and for the people watching, Um, could you give us a little bit of background on your experience with the grid kind of so far, um, and kind of when you started or if you're just starting or just kind of give us some context on your experience and it's okay, wherever that experience is, because anyone watching might be brand new or they might've been doing it for a while. So, um, the reason we're doing these, uh, series is so people can connect and realize that everyone's in a different spot and that's okay, which makes sense in terms of the grid method, I think.
1: No, I, uh, Probably for the past going on three years, ever since I, uh, Kind of f- heard and discovered the grid method and talk with you and was like the night before school started emailing you like trying to figure something out and things. So um, honestly, it's like a bullseye. I have danced around the target enough, but really haven't pulled the proverbial trigger to, your fully, <laughs> yeah, fully uh, execute it. I know Ray. I think two years ago, if I remember correctly, like sat down with me and we we wrote a grid in, in English, and I haven't. I just haven't used it. I don't. I again, one of these things. What am I waiting for? Thing, but. Um, and then I kept worrying about like how to like how it looks in the classroom and the assessment. And mm-hmm. I had actually talked to and and she probably won't catch this because it's really early in the morning. But Danielle Ramirez, yeah, me through how to set it up in Schoology. That was my biggest thing. That I mean, right. tough, a load off my back. We use that as our LMS, and I'm not. I love it. It's it's great. I've used it for five or six years. But it was just one of those. Until I could figure out that I couldn't even move. Yes. Of that. So. It was a huge relief to me, so um, and I've talked with Megan, I've talked with Andrea, I've talked with Dave Schmidt, I've talked with Caitlin Giordano of every constant how do you do this, how do you do that, what do you do here. So I've got every little bit and piece possible that I can. That sooner or later, um, I did run a what I would call a pseudo intro grid in the beginning of the school year, mm-hmm. and it failed miserably because it was just. The links were all wrong and and yeah, things were out of things. Videos weren't working. And I had too many. Um, I learned that I had too many things that I had to give codes to to because uh, I would lock right. me. And so I, it's things that I was taking notes of like, OK, what can I do in the future to make changes? And so.
0: Yeah. So I absolutely love that you just shared that story and had that much transparency. I truly appreciate it because I can tell you, um, you are not alone, my friend. Um, there are teachers across the country that know about this, have made a grid, but never fully just like dove in, right? Because mm-hmm. you need to get all those pieces. And, and, and oftentimes, and, um, we can create barriers that aren't necessarily barriers, um, but in our heads, they're stopping us from progressing, right? Um, mm-hmm. Like the Schoology things are really good one because it's a logistical barrier, that probably, if I'm being honest, took you 15 minutes in a conversation to overcome. Um, once you realize that you could put folders and check mastery on them, probably we have a lot of schools that use Schoology with with the grid, and usually they use like folders, kind of, so to unlock the the progress, kind of deal, um, um, on that MLS actually. Um, but like what you're feeling is is super common, and I love the fact that you're kind of ready to take that next step. Um, So I know we're going to be focused on the grid today, but I'm going to tell you right now or anyone else out there, if you're where Joe is, or Joe, I'm talking to you too, buddy. As you're going through this, if you need help, man, we are here for you. (laughs) That's what we do, man. And you've already taken advantage of a lot of the resources and people and human capital that we have, but keep doing that we are here to ensure that you're successful and something i'm okay promising any educator watching this is if you want this to be successful we will get you there um uh, we've done this with enough classrooms with enough teachers and enough different situations and enough subjects and enough grade levels that i am very confident that if you want to make this successful if you want to make this happen we can do it so let's start at the first step which is we need to get a grid made right um, yes. that's why we're here. That's what we need to do. And as we're going through designing that grid, some of the things you've already mentioned that we're going to put in the back of our head for later in this conversation is thinking through what we're putting in the grid in terms of management, right? Um, making sure our links are cohesive, making sure we're using multiple modalities, making sure that it's easy to manage for the teacher, but also user-friendly for the student. So we're not creating what I think you felt before, which is like bottlenecks of like, oh my gosh, 40 kids need the code at the same time, and now I want to be done. Like I'm just, <laughs> I'm done with this experience, right? 100% true,
1: exactly
0: so um, I appreciate you sharing that, and I think that's a really great segue into the work we're going to start today, which is building a grid. So could you give us a little bit of context into the unit that you're about to start and design for your grid? Um, and and then once we kind of get an introduction to that, I'll pull it up and we can get moving. How's that sound?
1: It sounds excellent. Um, when this opportunity was presented to me, we uh, it's mainly going to be focusing on World War II. Um, and when I looked at our standard, which probably some of you will see in a minute, it is a massive standard uh, that has about six or eight tentacles reaching out of yeah. it. It's one of these uh, we had the discussion previously of, of you, know, you can spend an entire year. I mean, college courses are devoted to World War II. So um, and I think what Chad here we're going to do and help is uh, is focus on uh, what do we really need to. To teach them and then also my uh learn to take my excitement as an educator and want to teach them all these things about world war ii that may you know they're great stories but they don't have anything to do with what the standard says so i think that that, that needs to help my mind to go back to uh folks on it but it's mostly it's it's world war ii so uh, so far for the first semester we've completed world war one been through the great depression and right now, as we come back next week, we will probably start the kickoff of going through um, World War II.
0: So just to confirm, because I know Ohio has different standards, Virginia has different standards, which is I think where you're from, right? Yes. West, um, West. West Virginia. I'm sorry. Is that like a, a big faux pas? Like I probably messed up. No, there. it's
1: common every I'm now and
0: <laughs> <laughs> West then. West Virginia has its own standards. And then like Illinois has completely different standards. Um, So one thing I wanna kind of confirm before we start this work is your standards seem based on um, looking at them, that they are chronologically based, they're event based, is that correct? They're they're sort of, they're surrounding events because something, um, a lot of social studies standards are moving towards is like more like ELA-based standards. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about, but like mm-hmm. they're taking it away from like the timeline chronology-based standards and they're going to more of like social studies skills. But it, based on looking at the standards from what I've seen so far, you're still squarely focused In Ohio's like this as well for the most part. You're still focusing. We're talking about World War One and the components therein, right?
1: Yeah, no, that's exactly okay. right, yeah.
0: Awesome. I just wanted to kind of make that note. So um, um, that's just because standards are different, right? <laughs> From state to state. So I'm going to go ahead and pull up the grid, Joe. You're in there working and typing. You're going to be um, doing that as we kind of work through this. But let's take a look at this standard. And you are not lying, my friend. This is one heck of a BP standard. So I'm going to put it right there on the screen. And um, if anyone else is looking at this right now, um, that's pretty daunting, right? Like, that is a scary, gigantic standard. We have everything from the rise of totalitarianism in there, um, the political transformations, um, you know, before the war, after the war, during the war. Like, we're spanning this entire global event, right? Like, there's a lot of meat on this bone, if I'm not mistaken. And I'm not a history expert, but I feel like there's a lot here, right?
1: No, there definitely is. And I'm just even looking at the, the summarize, the examine, the analyze, analyze, investigate. So and it's, a, it and it's
0: was, all at a high level. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> it's, it's not. It, it's, you know, it's it's like ordering, uh, you know, a, a 12 course meal or something and like, you know, sure. so, and trying to digest yeah. it in one sense there. So.
0: So let's take that analogy real quick. When we're looking at a 12 course meal. Um, I, I like to, to look at when we're look, t- talking about unit design, if we cover too much, the quality of the food goes down, right? It's like yeah. the equivalent of like a three course meal at a, at a Michelin star restaurant where mm-hmm. the chef is spending like meticulous amounts of time and effort to make everything perfect versus hometown buffet where you have like 4,000 different options that are okay, but not great. You know what I mean? Um, I feel like that's the same thing we need to think about with standards. We could talk about all these things, but I think if we try to do that and focus our kids on all these things, we're gonna get mediocre results in my opinion. So I think looking at this, this covers from before, during, and after the war. Is that, am I accurate in that statement?
1: No, that is definitely correct, yes.
0: So my suggestion, And I I want your feedback on this, so just let me know if this kind of gels with your thinking or if if there's not enough meat on the bone, just let me know and we can talk further. My thinking is that the rise of totalitarianism in terms of these standards in the totalitarian government, the political transformations, um, the U.S. trying to avoid the war, which is that analyze the the role of appeasement and isolation, um, those are kind of a whole chunk of information by themselves, right? Like leading up to the war, rise of totalitarianism and the causes of the war. Would that be fair?
1: No, that'd be perfect. Yes, that's it. completely and, fair.
0: And so then I'm looking at this other s- components of the standard where it talks about the role of the United States during the war, right? What was the role of the States during the war, in the war, during the events? Um Evidence of human rights violation during times of war, um, and illustrate the civilian response um, during the war, and then I think there's one of them that mentions stuff like after the war. Yeah, so then examine the political and economic transformation after the war. So, like to me, I actually think, I actually think what we could probably do is save this standard, this part of the standard. Mm-hmm. Um, And maybe a better thing to do would be, let's go through these real quick and highlight which one of these in yellow or whatever color you want. Let's highlight the ones that you want to include in this grid, but we'll keep all of them in there. Does that make sense? Yeah, perfect. So like, I think we can highlight this one. I think that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. And and to me, that's DOK too, would you agree?
1: Uh, yes, definitely with the samurai. So we're just yeah.
0: summarizing the rise. We're not really kind of delving into it. Um, I think we can probably um, highlight this one too. Yes. Um, I actually can't highlight. So if you want to do the highlighting, then that would be awesome. Um And then are there any ones that I'm missing? Are any of these packs or components of this prior to the war? Or are these all after the war? Sorry,
1: hold on a second. Oh, I'm um,
0: sorry.
1: The only other, I, I look at the one right here that says, the analyze the role of strong leadership during the war. I guess, okay, that's
0: during. That was about to say, was, that's not. But you could start to discuss that, right? Because yeah, that's,
1: Yeah. Um, because I'm trying to think of once the war starts, they are still, you know, you have the Hitler's, the Mussolini's and the, the let U. me United ask you, taking so over. I'm going to
0: ask you like a meta analysis question here. Uh, okay. I don't mean to get into the weeds. Is this a U.S. history class or a world history class?
1: Funny you ask that they call it world regions, but we focus mostly on the United States and entering a lot of stuff. So, um, I would probably say it could be a more world history class. Uh, they title it world regions, but um, they do <laughs> add the focus on European and, and a lot of stuff in Europe going on at the time.
0: So so, so, let me ask you this. If we take these two pieces out and focus on these two pieces, is there enough there for an entire unit? And then is there too much left over? Alex actually just had a really good point and I'm actually gonna to bring this up. Like um, he said, hey, this standard's mentioning a lot of stuff, but some of these things are gonna be a lot quicker and easier to cover than others. For example, The U.S. civilian response component of this is going to be pretty easy. It literally tells you (laughs) the things that you need to cover. Like, they just need to know that we weren't sitting here twiddling our thumbs, you know what I mean? We were doing stuff to contribute to the war uh, effort, right? Like, that's really, like, the only piece. And it's a really low-level component. So you're going to spend a lot less time on that. So to me... Um, the next grid that we do if we're splitting this into two parts is going to be really talking about during the war and then all these packs and after effects of the war is that fair
1: definitely fair and that that makes sense and alex brings up a definitely a good point um that's why it's hard that they just jam this all into into one um and the 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 one that even if you want to go out from it is cite evidence of human rights violations. And that's, you know, mostly talking about the Holocaust. And and that's a huge issue that uh, it's a touchy subject to talk about. And it's not easy to, you uh, know, right. so um, but that is a part. Of, but I would say that's a more after part. I'm not saying an after it's a during leading to the after part of the war kind of thing is what so. Um, Yeah,
0: absolutely. So, so just to be clear, I just want to get the check mark from you. You're cool. If we move forward, focusing on these two components of the standard. Absolutely. Now, let me ask you from your perspective, do you feel better moving forward with just focusing on these two? Like, is that taking a weight off your shoulders at all?
1: (laughs) Yes. I mean, and it, it, it sets the mindset up because uh, I think I mentioned this earlier is I I nerded out on this a little bit, but I, I didn't, um, I didn't realize that when we talk about, we teach World War One and then we do the Great Depression and then we move to World War Two. Well, I just learned this year that it's only my third year teaching this was the the Great Depression was worldwide. And so I had to paint that picture for my kids before they left for soon. They're saying, you know, they've never seen pictures of war-torn Europe, but I was trying to find examples of like, I said, guys, everything's all over the place. Like, so the, I had to get their mindset right. And these two things right here, you, know, you can't just roll in and say, oh, Italy's leader was this and this was that and that, and and we're going to go straight into a big war. So I, you had to really coach them up and kind of uh, set the scene, as it's been best said before, of with these two of why the totalitarian governments were in place and then what was going on during that time and what was the U.S.'s response. So.
0: I, so I, I love the fact that I'm hearing all of your passion for your subject area as we talk. It's my favorite thing. It's, <laughs> it's making my morning fantastic. This we'll <laughs> so let's let's take a look at some of these targets, okay? Um, now that we have our stage. So we have one target that's DOK2. Summarize the rise of the Italian. So this is a causality, right? What caused and what happened? Cause and effect. I'm gonna explain how or why totalitarian governments rose in Germany, Italy, and Japan. And this goes back to to something we've been talking a lot about during this Building the Grid series is we need to always go back to the standard. We need to go back to that well and say, wait a minute, am I covering too much or not enough? That is our litmus test all the time. And that's gonna make us more efficient in our planning, right? One of the biggest things teachers often tell me is, oh my gosh, I have so much stuff to cover. Well, if you cover everything, of course you do, um, because there's a lot of stuff in your head. But if you focus on what is the standard asking, we can save a ton of time, which makes us more efficient in how we design our instruction. So I'm going to try to blow this up just a little bit. um, And let's take a look at uh, our DOK1 targets. So would you go ahead and read your uh, your first target for us?
1: Because I can define and explain the rise of totalitarian governments in Germany, Italy, Japan, and the Soviet
0: Union. So I actually um I actually really like that you're pulling the countries directly from the standard. That's beautiful. It's perfect because it's like, listen, you need to know these ones because that's what the standard says. Um so I really like that. I also like that you've had a focused list of necessary vocabulary, right? Yes. To understand. Um, these components, right? Um, So it's not an exhaustive list. Um, It's not like a 47 word list of vocabulary words. It's literally, hey, listen, you need to know what these things are. Um, One thing if I'm being super nitpicky that I would consider is instead of saying define and explain, you might want to say I can identify and define the totalitarian governments in Germany, Italy, Japan, and the Soviet Union. Because if you think about it, um, explaining the rise of those things before we know what those things are is it could become fairly difficult. Right now, yes. what you could. So now what I might do is instead of saying, identify and define the totalitarian governments, I would, I would delete the, um, the rise part and make that a separate target. I can explain, I can identify the, the components that led to the rise. So um, they're not necessarily explaining causality. They're just going, in Germany, these things were going on. Does that make sense?
1: Yes, uh, it was all all across Europe. It was happening. So
0: right. So so maybe we had a second target that focuses on. I can identify the um, events which led to the rise of totalitarianism as a second target. Would that make sense here?
1: No, definitely. Yes. Sorry um, here. <laughs> No, definitely that that focuses. Uh, that was what I think I'd talked to you about. Of that, I feel it's not listed in the standards, and I'm trailing off there with it. But um, the, there's a lot of activities that take place between 1931 and 1939 that get overlooked that would help under that. But it leads to this, help students understand what is going on and why things keep happening. So.
0: Remember, that that, that goes back to summarizing the rise though, right? Those events are like baked into the cake of that standard. What we have to make sure though is we don't get too far into the weeds. So that's my little red flag of caution of just like make sure you don't have to cover everything, but that you know what the focus of that's going to be. Um, so I'm not as familiar with the events as you are. So when we get to our mastery questions, it's going to be really important for you to really target what events you want your students focused on. Does that make sense?
1: No, exactly, definitely. All right.
0: So um, are you okay adding that second uh, objective there?
1: What was it again? I'm sorry, I got distracted. Um,
0: it, no, no worries. <laughs> uh, I had, a, I had
1: I, a family member come in. And was like, I'm like, no, I'm live. I'm live. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, so it would be I can. Um, identify major events, or I don't know how you would wanna say this. I could identify major events or causes of the totalitarian rise in Germany, Italy, Japan, and the Soviet Union.
1: No, that makes sense, that that makes... All right. (laughs) Write that word, totalitarian. Oh,
0: sorry. Can you hear me now? Oh, I can't. <laughs> read.
1: Yeah, I can hear you. I was. Okay. I'm just trying to. There it is.
0: Okay, it's a lot of stress, actually, like typing in front of people, right? <laughs> a whole other level.
1: All right, I can identify major causes or rise or the rise of totalitarian governments in Germany.
0: Going back to that well, got to go back to that well. <laughs> so now, um. I would actually delete the rise part in that first target because now we've covered them separately. Does that make sense? So where it says defend the rise, in the, here, I can maybe do it. Right. I got it. Okay. Look at that teamwork. Look at that. <laughs> All right. I feel pretty good about that. Um, uh, any Anything we need to add or you think that covers what we need?
1: no it helps split it apart it helps yeah no i I think i focus more on that one monster statement i think it definitely helps a
0: lot no it's, it's fine so so let me ask you this i'm noticing that we're not talking about appeasement or isolationism at all in this first level or this first target should oh you do have appeasement as a vocabulary word so you're good uh that's fine um, I just wanted to make sure that we at least mentioned it because there may be a base of understanding that we want them to. Excuse me, and that we want them to have.
1: Yeah. The only other thing I could think we could add is Allied Powers, but that was more during the war, so that would be probably the next grid. But Axis Powers is more important, I think, because that's how they formed to begin with. So.
0: Yeah. So now let's look at your your level two target. I'm going to scroll down here a little bit so we can see it better. Um, let's look at your level two target. Um, I can explain who the totalitarian um, leaders were. Um, this is actually more of a DOK level one. However, um, if we say I can explain how the totalitarian leaders rose to power, that would be a more appropriate question.
1: Okay, that makes sense. That's that's why you're here, Chad. That's the- <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, cause just naming them, you know what I mean? Um, so we let me ask you this. Do they need to be able to define that in level one at all? Um, so should we put in their leaders, so identify defined totalitarian governments in Germany, Italy, Japan, and Soviet Union and their leaders in level one so that they can explain how they rose to power in level two? That would be. Uh... like uh, my, here's my question. When, when you're saying, uh, and this is it's just because I don't know, so I apologize. So when no. you're saying defining the totalitarian governments in Germany, Italy, uh, Japan, and the Soviet Union, are you specifically talking about the leaders themselves, or are you talking about the government institutions, the political organization of those countries?
1: A lot of it, I think it, it, it's both. Um, it's originally in most of what the books give us and the information that I have cite what was happening in those countries at that time and then how those
0: leaders rose to power. For example, so, so Hitler using the economic struggles of Germany to, 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 bolster his message of hope, right. Um, with the people, so to speak, um, would be a component of something they identified, right, uh, in level one. So I, I think we may want to mention the leaders in the objectives of the target one. So identify the defined Italian talent and governance and their They're leaders, leaders. Yeah. Uh, I, because they might need to know who those people are. And I think that will set the stage uh, really well.
1: Okay. Is that what you wanted there? Just yeah, oh, yeah.
0: yeah. I, I I just didn't want to ad- ignore it until level two, right? Because now yeah. we're we're not mentioning things that we have to. So um, now I I do think looking at our uh, looking at our focus on the standards summarize the rise of totalitarian governments. So I think we've hit that. Is there anything else about the the rise of the government um, that we need to, to really touch on or does that single objective meet that standard if a student can do that?
1: No, I think it meets it, yeah. I think it covers everything that it asks.
0: Okay, so as, as long as you agree with that, I'm okay. So if we, if a student can, I just wanna, so this is a good exercise, right? So I'm going back to, this first DOK level two target summarize the rise of totalitarian governments in Germany, Italy, Japan, and the Soviet Union. So, if a student can identify and define Italian, um, totalitarian governments in Italy, Japan, and their leaders, who they are, <laughs> what they are basically, identify major events, maybe even on like a like probably on a timeline or something like that, and explain how they rose to power, we agree. I'm just checking. I'm kind of walking through my mental we agree that that standard has been checked off, that that standard has been met. Does that make sense? Yes. Cool. That's, so I just wanted to walk through that for the viewers because um, like that's a really important step, I think, that gets overlooked, right? We go, cool, I made my targets, let's move on with life. We don't mm-hmm. have to go back and go, let me double check. Let me go let me double check that we did this. So one thing that I feel like we're definitely missing that we need to start bolstering right now is we need to start talking about the United States, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so maybe um, we need another target in DOK Level 2 explaining what the United States is doing during this power or in terms of isolationism in trying to avoid war, right? Uh mm-hmm. So maybe I can summarize the U, United States position, or I, I don't know how you want to word that. I don't have the uh, <laughs> I don't have the, the vocabulary in my. <laughs> well, actually, I would keep the other one. I would I wouldn't oh. believe. It. I would make a separate target. Okay. All right. I
1: would. Um... I would just feel it right off the line, the role of appeasement and isolation and attempt to war. I don't know. That that just makes sense to me.
0: I think that's a great idea, (laughs) (laughs) Joe.
1: I am looking here, uh, unless you say, should we add isolationism to the vocabulary in target DOK1 or leave it in here as DOK2? What was that? sorry did i lose you no, um
0: no, no. i just want to make sure i heard you correctly
1: it, uh should we put the vocabulary word isolationism in D, the dok1 or leave this in dok2 like because they don't know what the word isolation is isolation is they'd be rolling into dok2 and not knowing what it is if um
0: yeah you can put that you can put that in your list of, of key vocabulary that's fine
1: There we go.
0: And Alex just had a uh, a good question. Says you need to double check both what you have included and what you need and have not included um, excess content. Absolutely. Um, so this is a really good spot to like be double checking of hey maybe we included too much too little. That's when going back to that standards really really important I think um, and can be can be really um, can be really 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 helpful. So, um i feel pretty good about that how you feeling about the dok level 2
1: i'm good with it i love it
0: so let's go to dok3 i actually really like um, um your dok level 3 targets so far um however i'd like to be more specific in which totalitarian governments were comparing and contrasting and going i would just steal um i would just steal um germany italy japan and
1: okay i see what you
0: um, mean yeah. be,
1: be um, specific on it not just because there could be multiple yeah, of
0: course yeah we don't i don't care if they're they're talking about the totalitarian government of another country that has nothing to do with yeah. world war ii you know what i mean um, yeah, so, remember when we are creating targets and objectives we are we are telling the student what we are measuring them on right mm-hmm. so so while we want to maintain a broad statement of mastery um and don't get too specific um, by getting specific on the content we're going to be asking them for is okay. Um, so um, that's a fine line we have to to have to uh, measure. Um, so one thing I'm noticing is that we, we, we need to add something about the United States and um, the role of appeasement and isolationism in an attempt to avoid war, right? Um, So maybe this is as simple as I can analyze the role of appeasement and isolationism attempt to avoid war. However, there's part of me that thinks that's a bit uh, um, repetitive. Yeah. So, Uh, let
1: me see here. Look at my DOK. I have a pile of notes here, and I'm looking at the one sheet, but. So analyze
0: is fine. My question is, is that a specific enough word to use? Um, Do we know what we're actually doing, right? Um, Uh And we may also want to make it into two separate targets um, at the level three. So like, is let me ask you this from a content perspective. Is appeasement and isolation two very different things, or is it kind of connected?
1: I feel like they're two different things. Uh,
0: Why don't we measure? Yeah. Yeah, they
1: are two. Go ahead.
0: what if we say, I can analyze citing evidence how appeasement um, was used to avoid lead war? Up,
1: lead, or, well, yeah, it, I would say it was more appeasement led to the war, if I, that, that was the big thing, that um, to be, that's what I think Britain is, if, if I'm speaking correctly, is criticized for, is that, um, I think it was, oh, was it Neville Chamberlain, I can't remember the name off the top of my head, that's Was. Okay. Uh, um, they let Germany do a lot of these things to a lot of people. Let them do it to get away with it and not have to deal with it. So, um, but yeah, and isolationism. I think with the U.S. was just saying, "Nope, we don't want anything to do with it. Go have your war over there. We don't care." Like, that's the that's the way I look at it.
0: Mark Horner agrees with you. <laughs> Mark Horner, who's a U.S. history teacher in in oh, Ohio. Yes,
1: glad he's <laughs> here for that. Thank you.
0: So, so. What the standards actually saying then, and this is good because this is helping me break this down. We need to have two separate targets. We have to say I can summarize how isolationism was an helped the U.S. try to avoid war, or how isolationism led to the U.S. avoidance of war. But not summarize. I can analyze, citing evidence. That's how I would say it. Speaking of Mark Horner, he's probably getting super excited about this uh, Build-A-Grid thing. He's the one
1: I should probably be calling for most of this. He's a great
0: resource. He's always willing to help. Shout out to Mark Horner there. Appreciate you, buddy. Um, Of how isolationism was used as a tactic for the U.S. to avoid war or something like that. So do we see how we're taking a part of the standard and now we're going, nope, I need to measure both of these separately because I can't measure them at the same time.
1: Yeah. So I I can see, I probably have to tell you this, this is the first time I've ever really sat down and analyzed and took a part of standard in uh, ever. I mean, and I love it. I I would, there needs to be more of you. And I I hope my Facebook streams, not getting mad at teachers that I work with, or it's not their fault. Um, I think it's something it's the time factor, but Sure. When you create a standard that has eight bullet points on it, you don't leave us a lot of opportunities to sit down and really break down what do they need to know. So, anyway.
0: But, but I'm hopefully we're demystifying the eight bullet points, right? That's really what yeah. we're doing right now. <laughs> and then, so I would actually copy the first part and say I can analyze setting evidence how um, I think you said
1: uh,
0: easement led to. Um, us involvement maybe or
1: uh i would say if mark's there too but i think it was how appeasement led to war or led to the start of war if that's what but it's yeah that's
0: fair yeah i got confused because the standard says analyze the role of appeasement and isolationism as an attempt to avoid war so it really says that these were both ways so uh,
1: yeah okay now i'm thinking about it appeasement I, because I had to look up the word. I'm, I'm visualizing looking up the word appeasement. It basically just means you let, so so and so do whatever they want. Yeah, as they long ran as a... mock
0: for so yeah. long that they couldn't rein them back in when yeah. they wanted to. So, so I think we do have to focus on the avoidance of war, um, in what we're measuring. Does that make sense?
1: Yes. So I can have a sign of how appeasement led to. Just, uh, led to the war. I would say if Mark's still listening, maybe he can chime in. I am- yeah, so,
0: and this is a really important kind of conversation for me because Remember, like I don't have a social studies mind like you guys do, right? So I'm literally analyzing this based on language, depth of knowledge, and pedagogy, right? And in, like, so, so, like, I'm I'm looking at this from a very like different perspective when you know the content. So doesn't mean I'm always right, but I'm just looking at it from a different lens, right? Um, so, so that's important to understand that sometimes it's removing our. Action for the, the, the content that can help us do this work. And then we reinsert it when we're designing our learning experiences, right? Um, yeah. yeah. So absolutely. So I feel pretty good about that. Are we feeling good?
1: We are definitely, yeah. I do. And I
0: think we've met the standard at that point. So level four, I do need to get us moving because we're actually already almost running out of time, and I get too excited about this stuff. I apologize. Um, so um Looking at level four, I I actually like I love the fact that you're creating a campaign for totalitarian leaders. Um, what what is that campaign supposed to do? My so that- thought,
1: uh, my thought was, and this is where uh, would be to take. Uh, not that I'm promoting the fascism and all of course, the stuff, of course. but.
0: It, I got it, puts, <laughs> it
1: puts them in that mindset of like you're a digital media, you know, in this world, this day and age. Now, people have digital media campaigns to promote whatever product they're doing. I so, picking one of these four things and saying, "Hey, let's promote," fashion. like I'm not trying. I mean, it'd be within the classroom context. I'm not going to be blasting it out it over it.
0: propaganda of the time period. There of we go. That's we a look in a modern setting, right? So I totally get what you're saying. I love it. So I love this idea, but this actually highlights something that I try to avoid when we're talking about objectives and targets. The way this target is written, they can only do it one way because they can only do it with this back to future um, project. Um, So this is what's going to go into the grid, right? Like this is what they're going to do when they get to level four in the grid or, or, um, or I'm sorry. I'm talking about level four, not level five, I apologize. Um, They're gonna create and design a media campaign. So we're giving them a very specific thing. So I actually would take the word digital media campaign out of that and I would say, I can create a propaganda campaign that represents the philosophy, motives, or tactics used by totalitarian leaders leading up to the war does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So is that the goal of this project anyway? Like you want you want them to fully understand if you're Mussolini or if I don't want to say if you're Hitler because it sounds horrible but like yeah. if you're one of these leaders what are the tactics you're using in your propaganda, to 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 rise to power, to to make your case to the people of your country, right?
1: Yeah, and I think this is where I would nerd out on you in a minute, but I don't want to waste the, too much time. But yeah. I, I, to me, I think that that would fully cement them as to why they did this. I think that's a question I'm I get a lot because as soon as we get into. Um, the Holocaust and, and and everything that happened there. The kids always ask me why, and I'm just yeah. Like, how
0: did people get convinced that this was a good I, idea, right? Yeah, like, so I don't know how
1: else to tell them. And at least at this, if you have in my mindset, get you get it in the mindset at the beginning. This is what they were doing. Then they can it it'll start making sense as the war goes on, and then they unfortunately see those videos and pictures and stuff like that. They like, oh, that's what they were doing, or this led to yeah. that, that. That's my idea behind that.
0: So we don't need to fix this whole uh, this whole target right now. Um, however, I'd like you to focus on the outcome of the work, not necessarily the work itself. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So what I'd like you to do is just go, I can create a propaganda that demonstrates what? What is that propaganda? Like, what is that campaign or media campaign going to articulate? Um, Put me on the spot here. <laughs> No, 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 no. So, so you could just put a note, add stuff here, add okay. outcomes here. So we, you can go back to it later. We don't need to fix it. I just want to be clear when we are writing targets. I want to avoid using specific task language. Does that make sense? Yes. Because if we use specific task language, we can. Um, we. we we are limiting ourselves on how we measure it. So I would actually argue with myself now and said, I said, create a propaganda that demonstrates, um, or I can create and develop a representative campaign or a representative model of the type of, does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Because now if a student can do that, you know that they know X, Y, Z very well because if the propaganda campaign has to be targeted towards the pain points of the civilization of the society, right.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, they need to be able to articulate that with an explanatory purpose. Right. Yeah. Um, so I really love your alternative level five. I think that's absolutely fantastic. Um, um, like sort of an alternate ending. Um, mm-hmm. But this is another thing uh saying students will travel back in time, you could say, students will be, um, um, I can uh, create and design an alternative history that demonstrates what would have happened if leaders stayed in power. Do you see how I'm generalizing the language?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So this is super nitpicky on my part, so I apologize. I get weird oh, about this stuff. I, but, the, but the reason it's important is because we can do that any way the student sees fit. So it opens you up to different options. So let's say a student doesn't want to do a social media campaign. They go, well, could I do uh, some posters that demonstrate things instead? Sure, it's still demonstrating the objective, right? So now you're allowing yourself with the objective to measure the outcomes in multiple ways. Does that make sense?
1: Yes. Versus
0: using holding yourself. Now, Yes
1: the exact so word I'm I had. Gonna,
0: in my yeah. So I want to be super um, clear here as well. I think you should still do the social media campaign, the chatter picks, pit collage stuff, but that goes in the grid, not on the objective. Fair enough. Gotcha. Okay. Like I'm not saying don't do those things. I'm saying this isn't the place where that stuff needs to go. It needs yeah. to go on when you're articulating how the student's going to do these things inside the grid. Um, so just just so for time's sake i do want to talk about the mastery questions really quick it looks like you already have some pretty good questions but what i'd like you to do um, after we get off this call at some point you know before you do this grid is just review the new objectives and make sure we're asking the right questions at the right levels to meet those objectives does that make sense yes it does so um, i'm not going to spend a ton of time because i want to get to making some of our grid is that fair yeah so let's copy and paste our level. Can we um, copy and paste the targets here? Uh, uh, just from what we just worked on, I think that would be helpful. Okay. Uh, yes. So I'm actually going to start while you're doing that, plugging in some of the stuff that we just talked about, right? Um, um, yeah. I'm just going to type propaganda project here, right?
1: Um, Okay, I see what you're saying. Gotcha.
0: Back to the future project. See, what I'm doing is I'm just kind of typing in ideas, right? Um, They're not final ideas. They're not final components. They're just ideas that I know that you're already putting in here. So why not make it easier? So you're probably also not going to need anything else on level four. I don't think so. I'm going to go ahead and merge this for you. Does that make sense?
1: Oh, it does completely. Yes.
0: <laughs> so just so you know, you can just merge the cell. Now you have one cell there. You don't have to do it. You're welcome. See, I helped, you, know, helped
1: you me. remind me of when Ray was helping me. I think Ray helped me more with Google having figured out all that. Yeah, stuff.
0: yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so at this point, we really need to. Um, uh, we we need to let's let's at least get the first targets pasted in there. Here we go. I'm just going to copy it. I'll do the level one targets if you want. We're going to paste them in here. Oh, this is like loading really weird. Now, I get, we can worry about the formatting later. We're going to want to make that smaller, but um, I just wanted to kind of get this. So here's our level one. You're, let's focus on that, okay? Okay. Um, because we only have like nine minutes. So, um, so when we're looking at our level one, what are some of the activities you want to start dumping in here that we can at least start to discuss? I'm assuming you're going to do some sort of video or notes or introduction, right?
1: Uh, yes, uh, we could do, yes.
0: I'm going to put that there. Do you have a, do you use any vocabulary type activities or anything like that?
1: I don't, but I could create it. It's not something that, uh, um, is that something
0: you want to do or do you want to teach the vocabulary in the context?
1: uh, I would say, I don't, I mean, I don't know if they would know it if you put it in the notes, but vocabulary is something, you know, I, it's hard. I think it's one of the things sometimes that some kids get right away. Other kids don't. So probably within the activity would be but some sort of vocabulary activity I could create. What about,
0: um, do you do any sort of, uh, um, like not charts, but like uh, sort of interactive worksheets or activities like uh, labeling the components of the governments or something like that? Or like, we have to talk about events, um, which you're gonna do in the notes, but would like a timeline activity make sense?
1: I do have that a timeline activity is kind of my whole probably level 1 so somewhere I'm not saying my whole level 1 but I do yeah, have a timeline cool. activity where they have to read a certain certain amount of things and then find these 10 act 10 events that fill in the gap and go through so that was one of the things that I had
0: so we're gonna cover, we're gonna cover stuff in the notes, but I don't want to assume that because we did it in notes, they can they, they can do all these things. So I think that's the only component that needs refreshed in, in some way. Does that make sense? I think we can do the defining the vocabulary, identifying the major events is gonna be in the notes and in the timeline. So that we're kind of double dipping there, making sure that they fully understand those components. So we wanna know, like when you're looking at your assessments really make sure that you know what you want them to get as your major takeaways from the notes before you write your what your assessment's gonna be. Does that make sense? What I want to avoid at all costs is anyone ever going completed notes, because that's not an assessment. That's just, you did what I told you to do, right? Like, so sure. I want them to be able to go, hey, after doing these notes, I can tell you the three main countries that were the access powers or whatever that, you know what I mean? Like whatever, you know, the three totalitarian governments, I can tell you what they were. Cool, we can move on with life and, and live happy now. Um, so um, I would potentially add uh, another activity here. So I'm gonna actually show everyone how to do that. So you, yeah. what you do is you insert a column to the right. And now this is where Google gets a little messy. And now we basically have to merge all the stuff we don't want. <laughs> Which is not fun. I don't like it. It makes it a little messy, but yeah. does everyone hopefully see how we're doing this? So, if anyone was ever wondering, hey, how do you, uh, you know, get rid of <laughs> all these extra boxes? This is how you do it. Now we got a Google uh, Google Docs tutorial as well. Yeah. So, we'll, once again, we'll we'll look at the the formatting. Um, I think we just probably need one. Would you agree? Uh, So what type of activity do you think could also support that? Maybe like uh, I know I'm putting you on the spot here. I just wanted to kind of walk through it. Um, So we really need to focus on um, we did the major events. This is the one we have to focus on. So I think we need another check of defining uh, the Totalitarian uh, governments in Italy, Japan, and their leaders. Um, would uh, graphic organizer make sense? Like, for yeah, the- I
1: do have uh, some sort of. I have it right here. It kind of highlights the four things, and they kind of have to go. Or they, they, it's a heaven forbid teacher by teacher activity, but it's something of what did they do, when did they become part of leader kind of thing. So, um, but yeah, graphic organizer would be a perfect thing.
0: So, right there, right there. I hope everyone kind of saw how, like, this is a very incomplete idea. We've put some stuff at the top that we know we're going to include in there. I'm assuming you're going to put an assessment somewhere, right? Um, mm-hmm. uh, which is probably going to be at level three because that's where the highest standard is. Um, you could also put two assessments in there. That's okay. Uh, maybe a quiz here or something like that. But here we have like the shell of a pretty decent grid, I think. Uh, we only have about five minutes, so I think we're kind of hitting our um, – is there anything else, ideas that you want to dump in here, um, maybe in level two or level three that you think would be helpful, like just as a note, like a, a placeholder?
1: Um. <clears throat> no, because I didn't think we got to level three. Off the top of my head, no. Um. I think I can come back. No, that's no, okay. That's all good. right. I'm
0: just, just, kind of, just kind of walking through it. That's all. I'm kind of all over the place. I apologize.
1: No, uh, don't be. <laughs> uh, no, I think so, it's great.
0: So now, at this point, you kind of have a decent start, right? Um, so you can kind of continue this work. I'm going to put these other targets here. Obviously, we're going to make the font smaller and make it look better, and that's all fine and dandy, but I just wanted to get some things on the page. So... <clears throat> We don't have that much time left. We actually only have about five <laughs> five more minutes and I do want to kind of get some additional thoughts. Um, uh, however, Sandra Weir loves your back to the future project, by the way. So how are you feeling about this in terms of being able to kind of continue the process, review those mastery questions and really kind of tinker with and fill out the rest of the grid? How are you feeling?
1: A lot better of uh, kind of stripping down that ma- monster of uh, uh, standard and really focusing on it, and uh, helps me set the set my focus of saying, okay, that when we come back, that the next two weeks are going to be devoted to this, and it, um, and we'll work on that kind of thing, and that that sets it up. If it just helps me, son, because I have it in my head how I think I want things to go, and how, I, but as you saw, you kind of highlighted some things of, hey. Be careful here, you're setting yourself up for some f- uh, failures or some traps. So let's fix this. And so,
0: so, so, Holly's hitting on a really great point. She said, The watching the process of building grids is fascinating. She's been running grids for quite some time in her science classroom, I think. Um, so, um, she said she appreciates the amount of time that goes into the framework before thinking about the learning opportunities. And I think that's really, really important, right? We have a shell of stuff that we the students might be doing, but we're just getting to that now after 57 minutes and 30 seconds, right? Like we're just getting to what do we want the kids to do? And I think that's really important because now as we think about these activities, I want you and your mind, Joe, to be constantly now going back to the targets that we developed. So here's the cool part. You don't necessarily have to go all the way back to the standard anymore because we did that while we were making the targets. Now we can go back to the targets for each level and go, which part of the targets is this hidden? And if you can't find it in there, we need to do some more work and either update the targets or fix the the activity, right? So that's going to be your new well. And then at the end, we can do a full analysis of, does everything still line up the way I think it did? But by going through this progression, we're just making sure that we're being efficient with our instruction. Because remember, kids are gonna be moving through this at their own pace. So we need to make sure it's the most efficient pathway possible. Because if we start adding stuff and fluff that doesn't need to be in our grids, we're literally wasting time for us and our students. And the number one thing teachers tell me is my kids don't move fast enough through the grid. And I know that that's a reality. Uh, In mastery learning, kids are never going to learn as fast as we want them to. However, we can do something about it. We can design more efficient pathways. We can remove fluff. We can make it more efficient for us and for them, which is going to save you a ton of headache later on. So my challenge to you in terms of next steps would be Get some meat on this bone of the grid, start filling out these activities and things where they want, and then pause as you get done with the level. Stop and evaluate it against the targets and go, Did I cover everything I'm supposed to? Am I measuring everything I'm supposed to with my assessments? Mm -hmm. Okay, assessments don't need to be like, Did you do the notes? That's not an assessment of readiness, that's just, Did you do the notes? Like, so you don't necessarily need to do that. Um, so it should be. What that's, was where,
1: that? that's where Dave's book, uh, Dave Schmidt's Making Assessments Matter was huge. I'll plug that book. That was another talk about way to begin. You asked me about the grid. When I read that book, I was like, whew, weight off my shoulder, but made me understand what are you, you know, going into that. So that was definitely uh, something that uh, is a recommendation. To anybody working with the grid, I would read that as well.
0: Absolutely. (laughs) I also highly recommend that book. Um, So if anyone wants the template that Joe and I were working on, um, it's actually at bit.ly slash grid dev template. I'm putting that on the screen right now if anyone would like to see that. So Joe, I really appreciate your time today. We are sadly at the end of it. And I know we could sit here for three more hours and work on this probably. But um, I'm going to highly suggest um, and um, encourage you that as you continue working on this to reach out to to finish it up if you would like. I have access to it. So um, please let me know what I can do to support or help or once it's done, I'd love to kind of see it and get a copy so we can share it and go, this was the product of the work that we started. That would be amazing if that's okay. is there anything else I can do to support you or anything else you think would be helpful for our audience?
1: No, I just thank you for the direction and the 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 uh, diligence of going through it and, and kind of and you may sound nitpicky when you kept saying it. But I was like, no, I need that. That's that's what I and other teachers need right now is this implementing this grid process because we don't want to set ourselves up for failure. But no, I appreciate it, Chad.
0: And and it's I understand that being nitpicky can be frustrating sometimes because you're like I just want to like teach my kids like let me get to it but I can tell you if you make sure the prior work is done correctly the results will speak for speak for themselves right um, this is why letting a grid take two or three weeks is okay if we know that it's purposely designed right um, if we just started throwing stuff into the grid willy nilly didn't know what we were measuring, um, you could waste two to three weeks because you didn't design a proper grid. So these first steps end up being really, really important. So Joe, thank you so much for spending some time with us this morning. I truly, truly appreciate it. Um, Always a pleasure when we get to talk um, and have a fantastic rest of your holiday break.
1: Thank you. You too, Chad.
0: All right. Have a great day, everybody.